Welcome to Fick Focus, where Bloomberg Intelligence fixed income, credit currency, and commodity strategists and analysts discuss their short and long-term views on debt markets and issuers. Now, here's the Bloomberg Intelligence Fick Research Team. In a market that embraces the unchanged moniker as a source of pride, the idea of changing how borrowers raise cash and lenders facilitate that is not only confusing, but in some ways downright scary. While there have been prior attempts to usher in technological change to the municipal market, adoption has been spotty, and in some instances, failures have been noted. However, our guests this month feel that the time is right to shake things up in the old-time municipal market and that their approach to leveraging new technologies may be the winning formula for longer-term success. On this month's Masters of the Universe, we are joined by Tammy Arnold, founding partner and head of business strategy for Alpha Ledger, and Stephen Winterstein, the new head of capital markets, to discuss how a market dominated by old ways of doing things may react when confronted with new ways of matching up borrowers with capital. As always, I am joined by Amanda Albright from Bloomberg News. Welcome, everyone. Hey, Eric. Good to be here. Morning. All right. So, you know, Amanda, you have the the privilege here of actually having discussions with Alpha Ledger before, and you probably bring a lot more to this discussion than I do since, you know, I'm coming at it from a completely novice standpoint. So I thought I figured that like, you could get us like started and sort of, you know, kick us off with some questions that you had outlined. Sure. So um, I think it was last year I did a story about Alpha Ledger um, and just focusing on the, um, you know, the attempt to kind of change up the the loan market, so the bank loan market um, in the municipal space. And everyone I talked to was super enthusiastic about it. Um, you know, I had never, you know, covered the, the bank loan market super in depth. And so just learning about that opportunity there was very, very interesting just to learn a little bit more about how the sausage is made and like where, you know, basically the technology is not a big part of that market. So yeah. I was thinking maybe we could start with like, you know, your origins and and why you kind of started with um, the the loan market. And so maybe I'll ask that question to you, Tammy, is just if you can give a little bit of the origin story of the company. Sure. Uh, thanks, Amanda. I'm happy to do that. So um, as, as you know, um, from our prior conversation, um, Manish and Chris and I, the three founders, all have backgrounds from PIMCO. So we've got deep, deep backgrounds in the bond market. And uh, we started Alpha Ledger as uh, really an open, direct, transparent platform for the origination and, and ultimately the secondary market trading of municipal debt uh, with the intentions to do loans and bonds as securities. And we started with the loan market uh, for a variety of reasons when we launched the company three years ago. Um, the first is that the market uh, has, has very little transparency uh, relative to the muni market, which uh, the muni bond market as a securities market. Uh, you know, it's, it's lack of transparency impacts all market players. It impacts the uh, the issuers. It impacts the uh, the investors in the marketplace, and of course, then it also impacts the investors' ability to manage their portfolios. And oftentimes, the investors are community banks that uh, make municipal loans. And then, you know, there may be a, a variety of reasons why changes in loan portfolios may be needed. It could be a bank merger or <clears throat> concentration limits that are hit. But uh, the lack of transparency 
has an impact really through the life of the asset. So we started with the loan market because we felt that uh, it was a more straightforward way for us to bring in market participants in a really uh, collaborative way to bring loan orig- muni loan origination onto a digital platform. And so that's what we did. Uh, and we, we did our first municipal loan last year in 2021. We've done many since that time. And the process is, the process is in some ways the same, but in other ways different. So a muni issuer uh, comes onto our platform with an RFP, much like they would do really via email today. And we bring together the banks on our platform in a, in a way that is uh, kind of coordinated and all-encompassing. And we help the, help the issuer and the investors find each other, find the clearing price, and bring the transaction to market. So Tammy, I have a question, and this is me coming at this completely, like I said, like a novice standpoint. I always viewed sort of the bank loan market as this sort of like, you know, very hokey place where banking has been done the same way it's been done for the last 50 years. And it's like probably like a regional banker who grew up in that area that they're banking and they have a guy that they always do bank loans for, let's say, the school district of, you know, Latrobe County. And that's just always how it gets done. So, I mean, do you think that there's a lot of pushback for wanting change from the banker's perspective? Because it seems completely disruptive, right? Well, we haven't seen pushback from the banker's perspective. I mean, what you describe, I think, is an accurate view. It's been a very, the the muni bank loan market uh, has been and and remains a very local market Mm -hmm. where uh, the the lenders into the muni financing process know the issuers well. They know the region, too. They know the geography. They know the dynamics around the credit. Um, But uh, we've really seen interest from from the banks, the community, regional, and even in some case, national banks. But we've seen interest from the banks involved in this market, as well as the issuers, to expand that network of investors. And there's really a couple of reasons. Um, One is related to portfolio diversification. Uh, It is helpful for the banks to see a broader set of opportunities, even if maybe they're just a county or two over. It's not as though they have to be across the country, right? So it, it can be sure. just expanding the net wider within the state or maybe to an adjacent state, right? So that, that kind of expansion of the net um, is, has been positively received by the issuers and the lenders. The other thing that's starting to transpire, and of course, this has been a big focus of Bloomberg over the years, but um, from a diversification perspective, we're, tr- we're starting to get some pretty significant uh, environmental risk concentration. And uh, that may be in the, you know, in the area of a flood zone or something of that nature. And so the value of diversification kind of goes up as some of those local kind of environmental risks become more significant in muni finance. Okay. And the banks are right on the front of that curve. Very interesting. I mean, look, I, I think that it's a scary thing for people who originate these loans, right? That they're sort of being pushed to the sideline. I mean, what would you, 
what's your opinion on sort of how that rule of let's say like the community banking lender would change going forward right because if this takes hold and and really gets like mass adoption that rule significantly changes and i feel like that's probably like the scariest thing to people who are in that field right but in some ways i would think that the change could be a good thing because they could focus on maybe like more lucrative areas of commercial lending right but i don't know that's just me yeah. i could have it wrong well, I'll tell you, I, it, over the last few years, as we've gotten to know community bankers, it's been a really fascinating journey. Um, as, as you know, the community banking uh, system in the U.S. has really consolidated and declined over the last couple of decades. And so what we have today in the community bank world is, uh, you know, is a group of professionals that are actually think really innovative because yeah. they've lived in a very competitive environment um, along with the big national and even global banks. Yeah. And so we've really found a lot of openness to technology and a lot of openness to new ways of approaching their market that can improve their effectiveness. Uh, so rather than have them feel as though they're being you know, pushed aside I think they feel much more aligned and almost really partners with us because the the shift to a digital blockchain based platform um, it you know it not only helps them see the market more fully um, helps them think about secondary market liquidity where needed right in in cer certain circumstances but it also helps them with their books and records. Right? So each of these community banks runs their, runs their portfolio on Excel. And that's a different Excel spreadsheet than the issuer, as we all know, right? And so the shift to a distributed ledger platform uh, helps them with that records process. So, I, it, you know, it's really been positive. And I've just been really uh, honored to be, you know, part of the you know, the community banking group as we've gotten involved in this business. So look, I, I have a bunch of follow-up questions, but I, I feel like before we get like too far down the rabbit hole, I'm, I'm always continuously impressed how many of the muni market folks can find our podcast, right? Because that's like a lot of technological advancement for them to click through Spotify or Apple. And we're talking about a lot of advanced concepts. And I, maybe we should just like sort of back it up and take like a 10,000 foot view. Amanda, what do you think? No, I, I think that makes sense. And so um, that it might make sense to bring in Steve here, um, just someone who has like a more traditional muni background, um, most most recently at Market Access. You know, what was the appeal of Alpha Ledger to you? And, you know, you just came on board last week. So um, what was kind of the appeal to you in, in joining the company? Well, I've always been very interested in what's uh, what's going on in the muni market in terms of technology and the development and, and uh, the developments in uh, in new applications and so forth, and I, I've I've had that uh, curiosity going back, um, I, I suppose, since I start started in the business. Um, you know, it was a big move, Amanda, and I think you and I talked uh, several years ago uh, when I when I left the buy side to join uh, Market Access, an electronic trading uh, firm in fixed income to uh, help build their uh, municipal business. And um, 
And that was a great experience for me because I saw the evolution of uh, of technology um, before my very eyes and and how things were unfolding and the, the efficiencies that it brought to the to the market. And uh, even though electronic trading for municipals has been around for a while, I still thought it was uh, still in its nascent stages, and I was right. And uh, and it's it's uh, it's beginning to get uh, get legs, as they say. Um, the 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 reason I was so interested in in coming to um, to Alpha Ledger is that I view this as just a natural extension of the time that I spent in, elect- in electronic trading uh, for municipals. In other words, um, this is, in, in some sense, the next generation of technology. So um, so it, it just made sense to me, um, even in electronic trading, to see some of the inefficiencies in terms of straight-through processing, reconciliation, trade settlement, and all the other things that go along with middle and back office um, to see to see um, what we've developed here at Alpha Ledger just made it um, made it appealing to me that um, that this was the next uh, the next generation. So maybe just to to back up even further. Um, so when I was writing that initial story in Alpha Ledger, it took me a while to figure out um, what is blockchain. Like, what is that? It's a new term that I wasn't familiar with because I cover munis and you don't see it much in munis. So I don't know if either of you want to answer this in the most simple way possible, but what is blockchain and how, how, how do you apply that to a market like munis? And how is it different than crypto? Right. I mean, I guess that's like the one question I was talking to my parents over the weekend and I told them we were doing this podcast and my dad's like, what does crypto have to do with munis? And I was like, no, it's different. And he's like, how? And I said, I don't know, but I'm going to let you know when yeah. I get that answer. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So, uh, yeah, this is, this, is a, this is a question that comes up a lot. So we're happy to provide kind of our thinking around blockchain integration in the financial system and, and how the work we're doing is uh, related to the work on the crypto side. So let's, you know, we'd like the idea of backing up. So we back yeah. up and, and really just talk about uh, first the blockchain use cases in the financial system. Okay. So from our way of thinking, we really see two main use cases. One is in unregulated tokens. That's really the currency or crypto part of the financial system use case. Mm-hmm. And the other main avenue is the regulated asset space. We often refer to that as digital assets. So if we talk first about the, the crypto case, the unregulated token or currency use case in blockchain, um, that is, that's where a lot of the innovation has been going on. Uh, and that is certainly where much of the uh, external communication and communication in the community has has occurred. Sure. Those assets, those are bearer assets in that system. Uh, so ownership in the unregulated token space, in the crypto space, is based on possession. And that is a very important feature. Alpha Ledger operates in the regulated registered asset space, which is quite different. Right In our space, the securities 
or regulated asset space, there are formal ledgers of ownership that are secure. And they are managed by entities such as transfer agents or trust banks. Um, and there are a host of uh, compliance-related activities that need to be performed around uh, anti-money laundering activity and KYC, and also around disclosure. So all of that activity in the regulated space has to be performed within that ecosystem. Mm-hmm. And that's where Alpha Ledger operates. So again, we've got the unregulated token space, crypto, and then we have the regulated registered asset space, which is where Alpha Ledger operates. And we operate within the SEC, FINRA, MSRB regulatory environment. And, and when, when it comes right down to it, what, what we're performing on blockchain is actually pretty straightforward. We are recording, storing, and accessing records on distributed ledger blockchain technology. That is at its essence, the work we are doing. And that activity of recording, storing, and accessing records on distributed ledger technology is what enables a whole host of other downstream kind of value propositions. So that's kind of how we think about the space. So if I'm a traditional muni person, am I thinking of you guys in the same vein as like DTC currently, as far as being that that keeper of records? Not currently, but the evolution will likely take us there, right? Because of some of these functions may evolve, but it will take it will take some time. Um, the work we're doing at Alpha Ledger today. Mm-hmm is really focused on the origination of the asset itself. Um, And then as blockchain capabilities develop in the regulated registered asset space, we will see more downstream functions come on chain. And certainly in a a blockchain-based infrastructure, functions related to um, organizations such as DTCC, we believe will eventually come on chain, but, but not today. Okay. So my question is like, I guess like expanding upon, you know, where you will get to in the future. Right. So if you say you're going to get there, what does that time frame look like? And will you guys actually replace DTC in the marketplace? Well, in terms of the time frame, um, you know, my, my sense is, uh, you know, things we're, we're in an environment these days where things can happen quicker than we might expect. Yeah. So it's, it's hard for us to put a forecast on, on the number of years the transition will take. Okay. But given the network- I'm not trying to nail you down to a time no, frame. Exactly. I'm just yeah. like, I'm just like, you know, for someone listening to this, who, who doesn't understand this space, you know, it would be helpful just to sort of conceptualize. Is this like a 10 year project? Is this a five year project? Is this, you know, what is this? Yeah. Yeah. I think we, we would, we would think it's probably closer to five okay. than 10. And, and the reason is, and, and, and we all know this, right, is that because so much of what we do now is based on networked technology, uh, that when we make systems level changes, they tend to flow through the system more quickly than, than they have in the past because mm-hmm. everything is networked. So I think we'd be on the short end of that forecast. Um, you know, our sense is, is 
we will see a variety of organizations that participate in the marketplace and, uh, you know, and that functions such as those performed by DTCC, as I mentioned earlier, will ultimately come on chain. So the, the way we, we think about an asset's life and how an asset lives um, a digital life on blockchain technology relative to how it lives today. Okay, so it starts first, as I said, with the recording and storing of digital information. Mm-hmm. And that starts at the origination of the asset with the offering documents and the security master, right? So those, those sets of data are going to be stored as smart contracts. And those contracts will have not only facts related to them around uh, parameters of securities, but those contracts will also have events. And some of those events are just related to the life of the asset like an interest payment or a maturity payment. And we expect to see those events come on chain. Mm -hmm. And then some events are related to changes in ownership. This is actually why we have a transfer agent. So we have uh, developed a a digital transfer agent called Alta. And Alta is in a position to hold, store original records for assets, as well as changes in ownership. So as changes of ownership occur in a digital fashion, in a digital system, the concept of clearing and settlement really start to kind of fade or change to be really just data-based and more Mm -hmm. instantaneous. So we really do see that evolving. And again, we would believe it's going to be kind of sooner rather than later. Interesting. Can we talk about where um, the the bond market fits in? Um, There's a small mention at the bottom of y'all's website about iris trading. So very intrigued about that and where where iris comes in and I guess like where, when when you expect to start working on on bond deals. Sure. Yeah, we're really excited about this. Uh, As I mentioned earlier, the work we've been focused on so far has been in the municipal loan market. And we've learned a lot as we've engaged in that market. We actually did the first whole loan transfer of a digital municipal loan that was created on our platform. And that whole loan transfer occurred uh, between two banks that are part of the Alpha Ledger ecosystem. Uh, But even though we've been focused on loans, we have been working to prepare for our entrance into the securities market. And that includes both privately placed securities as well as publicly offered securities. And in that regard, our broker dealer, Iris Trading, is required for that function. So we have a broker dealer that will enable us to perform the function of actually bringing a security into the marketplace, whether that is private or public. And we expect that to begin very soon, actually. Interesting. So would you act as, would Iris be acting as the, um, I guess the the managing underwriter, like would we see the name on the first page of the bond documents or how, what does that role look like, I guess, as a broker dealer using the platform? Right. Right. So, so it will be, it, it will really depend on how an asset is brought to market. Um, So let me first focus on the competitive market, which is where we plan to 
enter into the marketplace. Um, the competitive market to us as a technology company with a broker dealer is the logical place for us to start. Uh, so our platform will be really be functioning as a bidding broker dealer in the competitive marketplace. And the fact that we're blockchain based um, may not necessarily be apparent or obvious uh, mm -hmm. to other market participants, but um, we will function to bring uh, direct bidders into the competitive process through our broker dealer. So we do not take the bonds onto our platform as a, uh, you know, we, we do not commit our own capital. Our broker dealer will function as an agent to connect directly uh, investors to originators on the through the origination process. It will connect the issuer to the banks, just like it does with the loans. It doesn't, you don't buy the bonds. That's correct. Okay. And, and our platform today is, uh, as, as we prepare to go into the securities market, the investor base is broader as we prepare for that activity. So the same banks that have been involved in loans are certainly interested in the securities origination. Mm -hmm. But we are also working with buy-side firms uh, on the platform as well. So we would uh, expect to see a broader group of investors active as we begin our work in the securities market. I think it's probably a good jumping off point to hear more about Steve's new role, right? As like this head of capital markets. And I mean, it's super interesting that, you know, you guys are, are sort of expanding in this space. And Steve always has a nose for sort of being at the corners of the market that are, you know, I would say technologically advancing more than others. So I mean, Steve, you want to kind of like walk us through what you're going to be doing and sort of what that role looks like? Sure. Uh, so my key role, I, th I think, is is um, working with the banks, working with uh, investors to uh, to you know garner garner interest and and actually orders on on the new issued product as we come into the the public securities market. One of the curious things about working at Alpha Ledger, I think, is that there are oftentimes uh, banks that um, may not want to buy a whole deal. Um, I mean, otherwise they could bid the deal themselves in the public markets, but maybe they only want to buy one or two maturities that they think they have sold. So I think Alpha Ledger is in a unique position in the new issue, competitive uh, new issue market, where we can bring banks that may only want to bid, um, you know, a, a, a a series from you know three to five years or three to ten years, and combine that with direct buyers who may have an interest in other maturities mm -hmm. and garner orders for a whole deal. Essentially, bringing banks, regional brokerage firms, and end-user institutional investors together, bidding bidding a deal, uh, but but only bidding that part of the curve, for example where they have interest or in the case of a regional dealer or a bank where they have those bonds already put away. Yeah. So, um, so, or they already have orders for them, I should say. So to me, um, this, this is socializing the ability to bid portions of a deal that appeal to different entities 
without uh, any one um, any one party having to take down the whole thing at once. So my job's going to be coordinating that on, on, on the capital market side. Part of the problem with like competitive bidding in and of itself, right, is you usually get stuck with the unsold balances of, of areas that, you know, weren't as attractive. So do you does exactly. solve that in a sense? Or, you know, I guess like what what are, what's the sort of plan if there are portions of a loan, let's say, or the curb that just have no interest? What happens at that point? Does the so, borrower just not sell that? So we would only bid a deal or submit a bid to a deal where all the maturities were accounted for and okay. we had orders on every maturity. So we're, we will never position bonds uh, at, at Alpha Ledger and take risk. We are, we are simply a, a platform, a conduit, if you will, to gather those orders for a new deal and, uh, and collectively uh, structure it so that we can submit a competitive bid. You ever see that changing going forward? You know, I mean, like, let's say that you know, spreads widen and it becomes more lucrative to become a liquidity provider. You know, if, if you guys being a broker dealer, you had the capacity to do that. Is that something that would be in the cards at some point? I don't think we've contemplated that. Uh, Tammy, maybe maybe you'd like to jump in on that question, yeah. but I don't think we've contemplated that. Yeah. So that that's not in our business strategy today. Yeah. Um, the way we think about the integration of new technology into the muni market and our role is that um, we are a technology company and we are building blockchain infrastructure for the muni market. And as a technology company, we have different economics and we have a different role that we play. And part of our role is to keep costs low and transparency high. Given the market that we are in, we are required to have various regulated entities that perform certain functions, like our broker-dealer, like our transfer agent. Okay. Um, and we use those to perform functions in the, in the securities market, or we will use them to perform functions in the securities market. But ultimately, we're a technology company. And so, well, you know, I ne- would never rule anything out. We're not, we didn't build our platform with that idea in our future. Okay. Um, this is not as so much a, a nuts and bolt, bolts question as, um, you know, what we've been asking, but I'm, I'm curious, you know, we, there aren't a ton of startups in the muni market um, at this point, you know, we don't see many new entrants. Um, it seemed like there was a time maybe a few years ago, I mean, there was a lot of attention on Neighborly because it was a very high profile company um, with a lot of, you know, big names backing that and a lot of issuers jumping on board. Um, what's it like to be like one of, and I mean, definitely correct me if I'm wrong, maybe there's a bunch of muni startups that I don't know of, but what's it like to be one of the big, you know, players right now and one of the big you know, startups that's actually working in, in the space? Is it a lot of pressure or do people feel when you talk to folks in the market, do they seem, you know, excited about this? Because it doesn't seem like there's a ton of new entrants other than, other than you guys. That's right. That, that's, our, <clears throat> that's our observation as well. Um, we, there's, there's clearly a lot of activity around different types of blockchain use cases, again, more on the payments side and the currency side than digital assets specifically. But we don't see much activity in the muni space. Um, 
It's, you know, it is, um, we, we take it very seriously. So we are bond people. We've spent our whole lives in the bond market. Mm. And because of the organization that we come from, right? Because we came from PIMCO. I mean, when I joined PIMCO, they had 43 billion under management. Um, and Manish joined just a couple of years later. We had the good fortune to really see a lot of the plumbing from every perspective in that company. So as we kind of look at uh, the integration of blockchain technology into the muni bond market, into the financial system broadly, we view it as a unique kind of once in a lifetime opportunity to apply some first principles thinking to the way the system itself functions. And we feel quite strongly that if you just take blockchain technology and try to apply it on the system, which we would argue is antiquated, then you'll fall far short of the potential for the technology to make the experience better for the market participants. So, uh, so we don't see other firms really going down this path. Um, that's, that's okay. There are firms going down similar paths and in other parts of the market, we certainly see activity uh, on the equity side and in other markets around the world. And, and, and actually the, you know, entrepreneurs are pretty collaborative bunch. So, um, so we kind of see how the, how the uh, landscape is evolving, but uh, the muni market is, uh, you know, we seem to be you know, the, the ones active in that particular space and, yeah, it's it's a it's a pretty serious undertaking, um, and we're happy to be the ones to do it. And you know, if I could just add on to that, you know, one of the things that really was exciting to me about the way Alpha Ledger was building this ecosystem is they worked on the on the first principles, meaning that um, they start with the very DNA of what a municipal bond is and build off of off of that bringing um, things like market participants into the equation. And um, it's, that's so exciting to me because it was not, uh, it, at least it, it, it doesn't seem to me like it's a solution in search of a problem. Uh, this, we, we have plenty of issues out there that we need to tackle in the municipal market. And building, building a, an ecosystem, a platform based on first principles is, uh, is something that um, I think is necessary and it's going to be um, a, a lasting and durable solution, um, you know, in, in, in a marketplace that is completely lacking uh, any organization like that. In terms of, in terms of reception, um, you know, I, I, I've talked to a lot of market participants in the last a week or so, it, it was so exciting to me, the reception that I got from bankers, from buy side people, from analysts, uh, you know, running the full gamut uh, of, uh, of market participants. And uh, I, can, I can say uh, I, I was overwhelmed with the positive response and the excitement I, I felt from uh, the folks that I talked to. Can, can you tell us a little bit about, um, you know, it just, it strikes me that there's so many, so many stakeholders involved for, for this to, to, to work. You have the issuers, you have financial advisors, and then you have the bankers. And now with 
with the bond platform, investors are also going to be playing an important role. Yeah. I mean, what have the past few months looked like in terms of, especially, I mean, this question would be more for you, Tammy, but are you doing tons of like Zoom calls like this one? Are you doing a lot of like explaining of what blockchain is? Like, what has the past few months been like to you? And Like, you know, what has it been like trying to get this off the ground with all these different stakeholders? Well, yes, there have been a lot of Zoom calls like this one. Um, we go back to that the, earlier in our conversation around the financial system use cases and uh, the activity in the unregulated token space. And then the work we're doing in the regulated registered digital asset space. Uh, we have a lot of conversations around that because uh, entering into uh, you know, a blockchain ecosystem can be daunting for market participants. And I think part of what we're focused on from a communication perspective is um, sharing our views on exactly you know, what we think needs to be done, which goes back to the recording, storing, and accessing of information on distributed ledger platform, okay? And, and that's really what we're doing. And so the other things that follow come from that and they come from um, our ability to, you know, enhance market participant experience because we're taking a modern technology approach. So I'll just give you two examples. And we, we talked to Bond Council and, MAs and issuers and investors about this. Um, you know, we, we talk to them about this all the time, but one of the underlying assumptions around the way our market performs, the way it's structured, is that communication is difficult. When you think about the origination process, there are a variety of very kind of closed funnels that organize and distribute information because the assumptions when those processes were built, and they were correct at the time, right? Was that communication is difficult, particularly of complex information. So that, that condition is different today. It's like the opposite. Communication is easy, even of complex information. Um, so we, we kind of go down to that level of uh, dialogue with the market participants we're involved with. And then the other thing we talk about is how our market, the muni bond market, really shaped its structure around trying to solve for large transaction size efficiency. When the country was being built, right? When the country was being built and projects were multi-jurisdictional, our market structure developed. And here we are today, you know, a couple hundred years later, where one of the key challenges we face is local execution. I mean, you guys know these stats around the bond market. You know, there's about 14,000 new bonds a year. Most of them are 50 million and below, right? About, about 85% or so. And, and the real challenge today is how to bring those to the market efficiently. So as we've talked to market participants, either related to the issuer, bond council, MAs and the issuer, or on the investor side, we go down into these very basic fundamentals. And then that that kind of gets them excited because it's, it's transparent and it's, you know, the technology itself is complex, but the functionality we're trying to bring forward is very basic. It's interesting that you brought up the, the amount of small borrowers and it's always sort of puzzled me why 
our market continues to function in an almost dysfunctional way, right? Because if you think about it, these borrowers would be much better off if they pulled their resources and just did you know, statewide bond bank borrowings and just figured out sort of their aggregate you know, needs and, and how they could access the markets because their cost of capital would be cheaper. Do you see it gravitating towards that with your approach going forward? Well, I, I think we, there's obviously been some conversations around that dynamic developing for yeah. sure. I think, I think it's to, to our way of thinking, it's more straightforward to envision a small transaction size mechanism for smaller issuers, right? There's still demand, right? Yeah. For these 50 million and below issues that the community banks are, have a lot of appetite as do other types of investment organizations like community sure. foundations, for example, that would love to have more of these bonds in their portfolio. And, and one of the things that the financial system has really gotten to do well is small transaction size efficiency. Okay. So if you think back to like when you used to use your credit card, there used to be like a $25 minimum, or you couldn't use your credit card because it was too expensive to process. And now you swipe your card for 50 cents at a party parking meter. And that's still with the Fedwire, you know, manual banking system behind sure. it. Okay. So um, I kind of think of the work we're doing as similar, right? We've thought through the technology and the process change to make these smaller transaction sizes efficient. And ultimately, well, there may be certain states that choose to go down a different path. I think given the ease of communication and the low cost of, ex, you know, of transaction execution, we'll probably see a gravitation more just towards small transaction size efficiency. Um, so just as we kind of wrap, wrap things up, um, you know, when we put out the story on, on Steve's hire, um, I could tell there was a lot of interest. And um, I think Steve said there was also, he got a lot of comments and people seem really interested in kind of what you're doing. Um, I guess the first part of the question is if you'll be making any other big hires like Steve this year. Um, and second part of the question is just, you know, it sounds like we should be watching for um, an alpha ledger bond deal. And so just wondering, you know, what else is in the pipeline the next few months that we should be on, on the lookout for? So um, the answer is yes. Uh, we were, we're hopeful uh, to continue to build, uh, build staff as, as our bandwidth grows in terms of uh, both the bank loan and the public markets. And um, I think um, maybe Tammy mentioned this earlier, um, I would I would expect that we would see um, some kind of of uh, of public securities uh, deal uh, sometime this summer. Tammy, does that sound right to you? That is what we are working towards. There you go. <laughs> All right. So we're excited about it. It's it's a new era. My my sense is that we're leading the way. Yeah. On the hiring front, what I what I will say is that. The interest from uh, from muni market participants has been really high. I, I think there are a lot of people in the market that are just really excited about what this technology transition means for our market, and uh, so you know we're we're really excited to add to the team as as uh, those opportunities are presented. Does that mean you're accepting uh, blind reverse inquiry from anybody who listens to the podcast? <laughs> we, we could just send them your way. 
All right, that's a non-answer answer. You don't have to answer. Yeah. <laughs> well, this is this has been great. Um, I feel like there's like so much more to unpack, but it's it's like we could probably sit here for another two hours. But you know, I definitely want to follow up later in the year. You know, after you guys, um, you know, sort of finalize that other transaction that you just mentioned, and and sort of recap and just see what the next phase of growth is. Um, you know, this has been awesome. Thank you so much, Amanda. Thank, thank you. you as always. Yes. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you.